0: Archimists in the making would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is being curated and produced. we also like to pay our respects to all First Nations Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people who may be listening in in our conversations today. As we are here today to listen to share, we hope that this will inspire everyone who's listening to dedicate a time and space to listen to our First Nations people's stories. For it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Alchemist Podcast Season 4 Hero Phenomena. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, an architecture graduate who is also a writer, and I'm interested in architecture's intersection with anything and everything. So, Season 4, we are still ongoing with the content. I'm so sorry for my hiatus, but joining me today, I have Elliot Khan, who is one of my good friends who I met in architecture school, although there has been a bit of a gap in our correspondence. (laughs) around six years. But before we go into the reason why there has been a bit of a gap in our correspondence, Elliot, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to your audience.
1: Hey, everyone. uh, I'm Elliot. I started my life in architecture school, and then I've moved into building design. And I think that's where Kim would have alluded to on our long hiatus in our friendship.
2: (laughs)
0: Yes so I think this is one topic that not many of us talk about or that is not discussed about especially when it comes to studies in our architecture school are people transitioning into a different area. Evidently there has been a popular topic of people transitioning into architecture but I think it's just as important to talk about people who have left architecture because evidently it's not Or like one subject isn't always for you. It may be at the start, but it isn't for you. Prior to you transitioning out of architecture Elliot, could I get you to explain to us or talk about your experience in architecture school? So what made you decide to go into architecture and what was your experience like?
1: Yeah, so when I was young, my dad's always kind of told me that I had a lot of design pedigree. Every time I was walking through the streets, I would always talk about how I could design something better, how I liked the color palettes of certain things. So throughout high school, I think that was just the path that I was kind of working towards, always taking art subjects and just working towards architecture. Um, I I did want to move into graphic design at some point, but I think just in terms of job prospects and how my dad viewed a lot of the, the world, I think You know, I kind of got pushed into architecture a bit. So that was quite nice because I think, you know, um, you're a bit lost as a child. (laughs) It's nice to have a bit of guidance there.
0: Mm, yeah it's a little bit like how do I put it I always reference this meme or this screen grab from Daria it's like you're telling us to decide our life career at the age of 16 or 17 you know it's like in yeah. high school we're always conditioned to like pick a degree pick what you want to go into and I feel like there is that small level of pressure on us to kind of stick with what we choose and then run with it as we grow up as well
1: Yeah, I know you spoke a bit about how your mum was pretty open and helped you guide your Mm. way into architecture school. (laughs) Do you you find that you had a lot of pressure there too?
0: Mm, I think for me it was the pressure of trying to find something that I was going to be good at and then it would give me a bit of financial stability because I think I grew up watching my mum teaching me, well, watching my mum and listening to my mum telling me about how she built her life. By being very independent mm-hmm. um, like she chose a major stuck with it ran with it and then people saw potential in her and even though she wasn't really into it she still tried it but she was able to build a life for herself and I think something I was really worried about was was I gonna be independent in that sense that I could build a life for myself as well so I don't know if I've talked about this I know I talked about the whole fashion situation But I did want to go into the science area when I was younger, right, but wasn't successful, evidently, and then thought, okay, I think I'll have to go into fashion because that seemed to be the only thing I can do. Um, But little did I know, my mom was like, oh, maybe you might want to try something else. I don't think she was very into the idea of me going to fashion either. Like, a lot, you'll find that a lot of women in my industry or at least in my cohort back then there's a few of my classmates we had a very similar trajectory in which our parents were a little bit iffy of us going to fashion and not saying that fashion is bad um but mom had a point in that I wasn't that into fashion I wasn't someone who really liked clothes that much I loved costumes but wasn't into it so much that I was held up on my like hell bent on doing it
1: yeah it's it's interesting I, I i was just thinking just then i was like i wonder if everyone pushes for something a bit more creative but then mm-hmm. when they look at what's more grounded and what could actually be more of a like actual life career it's just mm-hmm. like the most natural thing is moving into architecture <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a blend of art and engineering right and yeah building something for people to use yeah yeah
0: I mean, like, when I went into architecture, the first thing I was thinking of was, like, give me the maths, give me the science. Maybe I should have gone to engineering at the same time. Maybe it was a good choice, but I didn't.
1: (laughs) It's actually very interesting you say that. I I never thought of architecture as an engineering thing until I I left and then realized how much there was to it. Um, I always thought it was very abstract and conceptual.
0: mm, Yeah. Yeah, speaking of conceptual, then how was it during, like, the first semester of uni because I think one of our frequent back and forth was because of the assignments made no sense to us, right? Yes.
1: It def it definitely felt that way. I think the first six months was really interesting. I didn't know what I was expecting going to architecture school, but I know there was um I know one of the projects was to create a negative space of your bedroom.
2: Oh I
0: hated that.
1: Yes, that one, out of the plaster models, and then in one of those elevations you would have to interpret what was it like um like the correlation between that and-
0: oh, horizontality wasn't it
1: yes yeah, something like that and then you had to create landscape from that and then and then you had and then you had another project where it was like um you built some different forms and then you combined the two mm-hmm. that was very abstract very conceptual
0: it was, and I remember I was, how do I put it, I felt so embarrassed not being able to understand the brief that I just made up the excuse saying that I ran out of cards or something. Because yeah. <laughs> like in my head I was thinking, so you're telling us to make a card, so we've made the plaster cast, well I had a wax cast instead, I don't think I measured my room correctly either because when I looked at it I'm like this way looks way longer than what my room actually is i thought it's you carve out the space and that's the stuff that you're made is what well. is has being carved out yeah. and then afterwards i saw everybody else doing what they've done i'm like okay i'm just gonna just kind of put up a shield and say that i ran out of materials because i was <laughs> too proud yeah. to admit that i was doing so badly
1: <laughs> honestly i felt that way through the entire six month process i think where it was just like it's like that imposter syndrome that I'm, I'm sure you still feel now in your yeah. professional career, but it just takes so long for you to break down those walls and being just going, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And
0: everybody else looks like they know what they're doing when in reality they don't probably don't know what they're doing as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I will I actually one of the points that I was think gonna raise was in, in those first six months I always felt like I was a bit out of place just because mm. like I, I always felt like I was a bit out of my element mainly because I felt like everyone had such big personalities. Like, um, I think you had a pretty big personality. Sean had a big personality. You're kidding. Um, yeah. Matt, Uh, I wouldn't say Sina had a big personality, but she was very, like, clear with her communication. Mm. I like everyone felt like they were really far ahead of me and they knew what they were doing. They had a really good way of refining their ideas. So for me, at that point, I was always like, oh, man, like, is this is this really for me? Like, oh my god, everyone's so good at what they're doing, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's hilarious because I thought sure, I'm kind of familiar with you. It's like I thought I was out of place too, and the fact that you thought I had a big personality, which I'm like, really. Yeah. But at the same time, it felt like you knew what you were doing. But all oh, like now that you explain that you felt a bit out of place, it would kind of explain like why I this is really petty. But I remember there was one time. Uh, one of the models, I wasn't sure what I was doing, and I was asking you if I could see what you've done, but you asked for mine first. And then afterwards, I showed you mine, you refused to show me yours. I'm like, what's going on? Like, come on, you're really good. Like, why aren't you showing me your stuff?
1: I was probably like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, someone, uh, someone who's um, in a bit more worse position than me, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm the worst one. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of goes back to what you were saying at the start, right? Where you're yeah. like, oh, man, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just...
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're still here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Like, in retrospect now, I think I really enjoyed how short the timelines were in between projects. Hmm.
2: Because,
1: well, at the time, I was like, man, I need more time. This is so stressful. But, you know, I think it's it, there's, like, a lot of parallels between that and the real world now, you know, where... Mm-hmm you don't have all that time to refine your ideas. You kind of just have to iterate through the process and then deliver an idea that you might not necessarily think is the best, but you just Mm. have to apply your thought process and your actions.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think it reflects down back to our personalities or... In the way we've been conditioned to, I would dare say, even when as children, it's like we want to be perfect. We crave that validation and we crave the praise from other people. And again, I know why people say that, like, you you only need validation from yourself, but I refuse to agree with that. It's like, no, 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 we still need validation from other people to keep us going forward as well.
1: I think that quicker timeline and us having to work on such short timelines
2: Mm. really helped
1: overcome that perfectionistic nature if anything because Mm. you're forced to submit something that you're not like fully happy with right Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what do you think do you think that's helped you with your processes
0: it took me five years (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like,
0: Like, how do I put it I think it took me up to like fifth year which is really sad but I think I still carried that problem of putting other people on pedestals um how do I say it I stopped doing it towards the final year of my uni but mm. I was still doing it outside like in the more professional sense so um I would say that like throughout uni I would always look at all the two all these people and never think I was good enough I will still give it a go I'll still do my best uh and I think it was there was one experience I think during first year second semester I don't think you were there during second semester But we had this project and I was so determined to complete, fulfil the brief that my tutor has given us for our mid-semester presentation. And I think I rocked up to presentation two hours of sleep and after that I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. And so I think and then seeing other students and my other colleagues who only turned up with like a third or two thirds of what has been asked for, I felt really defeated all of a sudden I thought, how are they able to get away with it all and not complete the brief? I think I was just very my, – my mindset was more just get everything done, get what needs to be done. But it still was under the pressure of I just need to at least hold myself up to the standards what other people have set for themselves. Yeah. And then it was only towards fifth year where I realized that, hold on, why am I so – prioritizing on what other people are viewing towards my work when I really should be prioritizing my own happiness to an extent and I think that's where I was starting to become like finding other ways to be like just have my own back and justify that I don't have to be as on point in the other eyes because I need to be proud of my own work instead of following doing work based on other people's words
1: yeah Mm. wow (laughs) No, that 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 sounds um, that sounds pretty. I wouldn't say heartbreaking, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can I, no. if you want to.
1: Yeah, but it, I guess it's the nature of architecture, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, like yeah. just as in, no matter how how well you think your idea is, there's there's always things for improvement.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah
1: that's is is true. Like,
0: then, do you think that? How do I say it? I think Mm. we started losing touch towards when we were in second year, but then by the time I was in second year, you were already elsewhere. Can Mm. I ask, like, were there... So you're going to transition out of architecture. Can I ask what were some of the reasons for it and what was Mm. going in your head when that was happening?
1: I I wouldn't say that I didn't have much say in this, but Mm -hmm. during the time, I think my dad was just seeing a lot of... um, he was just trying to find out what was best for me in terms of a career. And I think he he was talking to a lot of his architecture friends during that time. And I think they alluded to, oh, when you come out of architecture school, you're kind of just doing the same thing as someone mm-hmm. coming out of a TAFE course. So he kind of talked to me and he was like, hey, look, I think it's better if you've gone to TAFE, you know, develop a technical skill set and then gain experience with the workforce. And you'll be much further ahead than your colleagues who went to architectural school I wasn't really convinced because at the time I was what like 18 and mm-hmm. I was like nah you, uni's the way to go like I can't I don't want to go to TAFE I, <laughs> like in my head like it's a, such a such a bad thing to say you know in retrospect but I was like nah TAFE's for drop kicks man I'm not a drop kick but mm-hmm. then you know and I, th- I think it kind of piggybacked on the emotions of me feeling out of place at architecture going Oh man, like everyone here seems so certain of what they're doing. Maybe, maybe my dad is right. Like, I I should look at alternative ways to do it. I I would say I was pretty hesitant, but I did it anyway. Um, yeah. So that was the main reason for it.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. I was. I think I was really shocked when I first found out because I was messaging everybody, like, how's second semester going for you?" And then when you told me that you disappeared, I'm thinking, "What? Yeah. What's going on?" Yeah, it was out
1: of nowhere wasn't it
0: yeah it was a little bit having said i think at the same time kudos to you for doing it because i wouldn't imagine it to be a really easy move i'll find it really bittersweet but at the same time it is very courageous and very brave for people to be able to change courses because it's sad to feel like there is a bit of stigma for us like in terms of changing courses Mm. again I think it comes down to sounds like a therapy session comes Mm. down to back when we were in high school that we have to pick something and stick with it and so for you to be able to do that I'm thinking whoa what is going on in your head Uh, when all of this was happening I don't know emotionally speaking whether it it was hard for you because again I don't know how close you are with your classmates there Mm. because The, for disclaimer purposes, we were in separate classes, but I think the only time we had was theory. Mm. And then therefore, we just like have the occasional conversations here and there whenever we see each other in corridors.
1: Yeah, emotionally, it was really hard. I think, um, like I said, I was really hesitant. It feels as if for most of my high school life, I was working towards uni as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just really hard for me to stomach, mainly because I know getting into architecture was... I think supposedly quite difficult and then it's like why am I just going to TAFE and Mm. I think for me it was really hard to process that I think there was a lot of the social recognition that came from being an architecture school as well I'm not sure I can draw the parallels between this and a typical Asian household family but like for me there was always a part of me that wanted to prove to my dad that I was good you know know, Yeah. yeah you know that that feeling whereas my dad was pushing more towards the creative arts most of my life instead of like the, doc- the doctorate path mm. so I think part of this move wasn't really for me but more for him mm. I'm not blaming him for anything because mm. you know at the end of the day we all make our own choices but I think in retrospect I think that was a huge part of the of the reason I moved so I would like to not label my move as courageous but more as just Trying to please my dad (laughs) because I I I seeked that validation from him.
0: Look, I think with a lot of like for our background, like because we do have we are kind of Asian descent as well. It's just family, and I think unfortunately how we carry ourselves does make a huge impact Mm. as well. So for me personally, actually, for me to hear that your dad was pushing you to the creative arts, I have a tinge of envy in that. In that. I would have loved it if my dad was a little bit more supportive of myself back then. Mm. And I think it's fair for us to say that, yes, our parents did play a huge part in the way we made our careers, but they were the people we kind of looked up to. I wouldn't say, like, as if we worshipped them and such, but we do love them and we do care about them, and so therefore we do take their words into Mm. consideration. Um, I don't know if it's any words of comfort, but to be honest, when I – I didn't go into architecture with this huge aspiration of becoming a registered architect because I really didn't know what I was going to in for. But I think it was a bit of perseverance and I think there was a mixture of other things there that allowed me to nurture my interest for architecture. So I wouldn't say it was an immediate situation, but it was something cultivated over time. Yeah. So... I was wondering then, having to go into building design, that's the course, right, that you transitioned Mm. into. Do you think over time you were able to reconcile with that tension between like going to TAFE and then I remember when we did catch up like a few months ago, like you were experiencing all these range of thoughts and emotions um yeah it's just if you could explain to us a bit about that that would be great
1: in retrospect it's really i think it's it's really good because it teaches you a lot of the technical skill sets that you require to move into the workforce Hmm. i'm not sure whether it teaches you to be necessarily like a free thinker whereas it kind of teaches you to be a good worker if that makes sense i think there was a huge emphasis on technical skill sets designing things to compliance, just learning CAD software. So that whether that's AutoCAD in our semester one and two or ARCHICAD in third and fourth semester, mm. and then we did residential and commercial drafting. Yeah. So the comparisons that I would draw between the two is take is definitely a lot more technical in terms of it curriculum. There's a bit less holding. Architecture is obviously a more conceptual and teaches you how to think outside the design envelope, and then I'm assuming in the later semesters, where it starts becoming a bit more solid, with mm,
0: to an extent, yeah,
1: engineering theories. Um, I think that was the main similarities that I could draw. I was a bit jaded going into building design, so I'm not sure if I could have taken the most out of it as I could if I just went in through TAFE going into architecture. I'll talk a bit about the people who were present in the in my curriculum. So it was. A lot of people trying to make it through the ranks, either studying building design to move into architecture, or it was mature-age students doing a career transition. So they had a lot of transferable skills, and they just needed to pick up that technical skill set mm. to move into a drafting role.
0: Because you did talk about there are some people who personally study building design so that they can go into architecture mm. what was your relationship or like what were their reactions if you ever did divulge them into saying that you did come from architecture and what were the conversations like
1: uh at the start it was kind of like oh man why are you doing that like I'm trying to get into architecture and <laughs> obviously a lot of oh well, is there anything like did you enjoy it what was it kind of like how can we quit and then I think a self, some self-imposed, what's it called, e- ego for myself was like, oh, yeah, I came from architecture. I should be better than all this, all these. But then you realize there's people from all, all walks of life, mm. especially the mature age students that came through, like some came from graphic design, some came from like animation. Mm-hmm. And man, like they were so good at what they were doing and they were so driven. And it was just crazy. So it was a bit like that. And then I know one friend who has now moved to RMIT to do architecture, I think. Mm. he's doing pretty good for himself
2: Mm. yeah
0: actually this just popped into my head but i wonder if the conversation that your father had with his friends who have connections to architecture because just thinking back to what my mentor said because she was in fifth year when she graduated and that's when the recession started happening and then it was very hard for the industry to support those in the profession, so I wonder if that kind of had a reflection of as to why your father suggested the move.
1: I think from memory, my, all my dad's architecture mates are in Malaysia. so uh. I'm not quite sure I'm not quite sure what they what they were mentioning because even now that I've mm. gone through the system and I'm working, I don't think my role is very close to what a graduate architecture architect would be doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: personally um Mm. i think draftees find themselves very much in a residential role Mm. um, like building designers and if they move into commercial it feels like they're very pigeonholed into doing just one thing whether that's just like hvac work wet area work um steel detailing i could be wrong here but it feels like the graduate architects have a bit more direction in their employment right
0: i think it comes down to how you voice yourself, how you present yourself and what type of skill sets you want to learn. So in terms of taking agency of what they want to do, then I would kind of agree. But I think it comes down to there's that there is sometimes that danger of being pigeonholed. So, for instance, I'm just going to put it out there because these are some of the things I do here sometimes is in a very corporate setting, when you are in the lowest ranks, you will probably most likely do the very mundane things, which is equally as important. But if you're not strong enough or if you don't have people backing you up to an extent and saying that I need to advance in these other areas in order to achieve what I want in the next couple of years, then you can risk the danger of forever being pigeonholed. Um, Because if I think about it, like going back to the conversation that Sean and I had when it comes to looking for employment, when we were applying we were just blindly applying for anything anything that had a title in it but if you look closely in the cvs uh sorry not in the cvs in the role description sometimes it's a bit more specific it's saying that probably purely doing drafting purely doing graphics Mm. and that's where sometimes some of that unfortunate circumstances is even myself like i had a very different perception of what my role was going to be when i was working overseas And then gradually it came to realize that I was just putting a different set of lines over it and therefore I shattered my own expectations as well. Mm. And so there's that danger.
1: Oh, okay. It's it's kind of the same as us.
0: A little bit. I think it happens with a lot of people Mm. whenever they first start off their work because again, we don't want to come off that impression. At least I feel like that we Mm. don't want to give off that impression we're here for the money. And so, therefore, we would do anything to prove ourselves or try to prove to others that we are here to grow. But unfortunately, that vulnerability or that vulnerable position that we are in, we can be full victims to it as well. Um, So I think it really comes down to the types of people who come across. you come across and if you've got the right support system then i think you'll be able to break it out sooner
1: it's weird because I, fe- I i when i came out of studying i was like oh this isn't for me but then when i started working i was like you know what this is really fun <laughs> 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 which is weird because working in a company and actually delivering work like it felt it's very rewarding for me
0: mm. it's fulfilling because it is tangible right i yeah. think that's the feeling that we all crave when we start our job is that we can make a difference I like to think deep down inside we all start off as altruists or at least as optimists but depending on circumstances and depending on what type of roadblocks you hit that can change very quickly hence the overall theme of the season is work were the small turning points or like inflection points. Mm. Those things can definitely change your whole perception
2: of yeah. it.
1: Hmm. So are you more of a optimist now or a pessimist now? Hmm.
2: I
0: think... Think I'm still optimist and altruist to a degree because again I still stand by the principle of why I want to study architecture is because I like looking after people and I can't look at blood and bones so I'll look after them indirectly by giving them something that they can shelter. Yeah. Uh, but I think when it comes, to, I think I'm more of a realist slash pessimist when it comes to how do I say it mm, the political side of things. Um, and I feel comfortable in saying this. It's because of how do I put it? It's just the things you hear and the things you grow up with, the conversations that you hear when you're growing up with and the various types of environments I've worked in. Like I've worked for organizations enough uh to know how people navigate things. Um I hear about my parents' work environments and I know how how political it can get. And if like even uni, like it's right in front of my eyes. Mm. Ugh, hopefully it doesn't cost me my job in- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. like these things do happen, and so for me, when I hear about it, and it does sound defeating, but at the same time, I'm not so hung up about it because I know I'm already prepared for it, so I think that has helped me to a degree. What about yourself?
1: Um yeah, I think uh I think i'm am I'm definitely an optimist
2: okay that's I great. have
1: gone <laughs> from an absolute pessimist to become an absolute optimist where i just see opportunity in everything that i do <laughs> a, ro- a roadblock comes up and i'm like like someone someone blocks the road and i'm like ah, oh, this is just an opportunity for me to practice patience you know yeah yeah it's definitely a huge mindset sh- shift in the recent years mm-hmm. so it's interesting you said that thing about office politics and how you have to navigate that it almost feels as if that's a bigger aspect of work than the work itself doesn't it
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't divulge too much about it because I'd rather I don't really how do I say I'll admit that people need to be aware of it. Yes. But I don't want to spoil it for them because mm. let it's their life to enjoy. Yes,
1: for sure. Anyway. I think no matter what situation anyone is in, I mm-hmm. think it is up to them mm-hmm. on how they how they interpret it, whether they contribute or they don't. It's mm. It's up to the individual, anyway, right?
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I'm I'm very much in the midst of it, but I try not to contribute to it. Yeah, which, yeah. which I'm a, which I'm guessing that's what you are too. Yeah, just yeah.
0: spectate. Yeah. <laughs> just spectate. It, it's not the nice thing to say, unfortunately, because mm. like everybody's like change the difference, and then in the Game of Thrones reference, it's like break the wheel and all. Yeah. And like you can only try but I think it's pick your battles because then you get compassion fatigue and then therefore I think that's Mm. when the whole illusion completely crumbles and I feel like to an extent that's why our industry hasn't been doing well in terms of maintaining job numbers in the workforce like I know other workplaces have lost mass amounts of their staff because it's just how things are as of late we're dealing with a lot of other things that's happening and it's just whether you how involved you want to be in it you can still try and i think it's important to be aware of it but Mm. i would say again as you said pick your battles know how you want to live your life yeah that's about it
1: (laughs) just to keep in topic with uh yeah i was
0: going to continue to ask
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. keep in topic with um the building design and architecture differences i know Mm. you mentioned earlier that you, you weren't necessarily in love with architecture when you first started and it was mm-hmm. kind of like a slow build.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, seeing as I kind of left during that six-month period, mm-hmm. did were there any points in your education that you were kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't for me? Or has that never really come up? Mm,
0: no, not really. Um, mm. The only time where I freaked out was when I was towards graduating masters the first thing I was thinking of I don't have much experience will I be able to get a job Mm. and that was pretty much it or if anything I think I did consider putting a pause because I was quite burnt out during third year and Mm. unfortunately I did mention this a while back but I had a pretty bad relationship with one of my tutors um Mm. like there was just a lot of yelling matches and we both acknowledge it because the thing is that's we respected each other enough to acknowledge that it wasn't a really good relationship between the two of us, but no, what about you? I wanted to actually ask like your experience in building design, like mm. it sounds like you have grown into it and grown to be quite fond of it, but has there been a point in which you also wanted to go back into architecture as well?
1: Um, I did. And it was mainly because of that chip on my shoulder, as I was mm. saying, you know? Um, you know, you kind of, graduate and then you're working and people are always like, oh, weren't you an architecture? It's like, oh, no, I'm, I kind of went and went to get my TAFE diploma kind of thing.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, after a while, you're like, and I think for me, it was, part of me was like, oh, am I going to regret not ever getting my master's in architecture because it was the thing I wanted to do from the start? But upon reflection, I think it really was just an ego thing and it was just about the extra the uh, what's called the external validation that you get from society from all the people who are like yeah architects are the best i found enough joy in my work that i didn't feel like i needed that Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: i looked at it objectively on what a certified architect license could give me versus a licensed building design could give me and with what i want to do Th- there was no reason for me to get an architecture degree. Like mm-hmm. there was no reason for me to go back for four years just to struggle with that and not struggle, to to okay. persevere through that and then just um come out and basically do what I can do with my building design license anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think setting aside a lot of those emotions that I was in conflict with and looking at things objectively, I realized, oh, hey, like I actually don't need an architecture degree. The only mm-hmm. thing is the external perception of me but then I just saw it as an opportunity for me to educate potential clients potential customers you know what why do you want to work with an architect versus a building designer
2: mm-hmm. and then,
1: yeah just seeing opportunities in that era instead I also realized I think I didn't enjoy architecture that much in terms of I don't think the design aspect for me was the most rewarding bit mm. it was about making someone's design work on a cost perspective a timeline perspective you know i really enjoyed like the intricacies of like doing building details and all that things and then just like improvement of processes so it was really like i think i enjoyed being in such a process driven role my first role which was a volume builder Mm -hmm. i was there for four years and yeah it was great and then it was only recently that i moved into a more smaller modular home builder where i have the opportunity to do more custom homes that i was like man i'm actually really enjoying the process aspect of it like Mm. i'm like i'm trying to build out our libraries now yeah and all that stuff and i'm like hey this is really fun and i think this is actually what i want to do Mm. so i think that's the reason why i haven't gone back i guess and i've come to acceptance with it
2: yeah
0: something i'm a bit interested in is i don't know if there is that tension of again coming back to egos because i feel like look we all have to have a bit of an ego but i think it comes down to how much we control it or whether we are self-aware of what the weight of the ego that we're carrying as well um and then coming back to the chip off your shoulder the other thing i was curious about is whether there is that tension between building designers and architects say for residential for instance Mm. because there is that tension of us architects always advocating for ourselves, saying that we are probably. <laughs> oh, it's really embarrassing. Oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. I know, it's like you know where I'm coming from, right? It's yeah. like saying that we're better than everybody. <laughs> yeah. and to... Oh my god, sorry. I'm just literally internally cringing for saying this, but it's kind of true that it does happen. I have to acknowledge <laughs> this once in a while. um So I don't know if you also feel that tension sometimes as a building designer when you have like this different type of competition that is present in the industry
1: um look d- just to address your thing at least you've gone through your master's and you've gotten your architecture degree so you can, <laughs> you can be somewhat of a snob i still have <laughs> i still have the architecture degree snob even though i've i've only have a diploma <laughs> <laughs> so so if, if you want to feel a bit better about yourself no <laughs> I'm,
0: me feel awful, no, 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 I'm just
1: kidding. I'm
2: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh
1: dear. Luckily, or well, actually, I'm actually quite sad about this. I've never had that much opportunity to work with in-house architects, so I haven't had to deal with potential ego clashes. But I mm. think, amongst any other any role, whether that's like in administration, you know, estimating in the, like, contract stuff, I think you always work with gems and you always work with people who are just kind of not as great to work with. And it Mm. happens on both ends of the spectrum. Mm. And in terms of people's perception of building design and architecture, I actually don't think it's that difficult to navigate personally, or I've just never had the opportunity to need to navigate that stuff. Mm. Because what I'm doing now it's just like we just have building designers like we just call ourselves building designers because we don't have mm. architects Yeah. and clients seem to be fine with it so I guess it just depends on the company that you work for because if clients are coming in expecting architects they wouldn't go into a volume builder I guess.
0: <laughs> no not with yeah. the recent recent news that we're getting it's uh, it sucks just even looking at everything that's happening right now um, I don't really want it to I won't bring up names, but if anybody who's listening is looking at the news at the volume builders within Australia, it's kind. Of, it is really heartbreaking to see because it's a domino effect because they are the pinnacle of actually manifesting the actualities of the work that we're putting into. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't. It's uh. It's an interesting one with volume builders because mm-hmm. it's like part of me is like this isn't real Architecture, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because it's true. Because it's like how for, for me, it's like it doesn't feel like it's, it, it feels as if a lot of the times the client's needs aren't put first, uh, mm-hmm. which is just the nature of business. But it's a bit, it's a lot more apparent when you're in a volume builder, yeah. Um, you know, like a client wants some slight changes, but it's like it's so difficult to make, so it's like mm. what. But for me, I've always thought of a house as a home. So it's like, how can you make this, like, how how can we push out these homes that we're just calling homes, but it's not really. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas working at a smaller builder now, like we can make all these changes, like really take into account what clients want. And it's like, now mm. it feels like it, in terms of the reward, how rewarding it is, it feels nicer knowing that you've given the client what they've wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah so yeah it's a different mindset that you have to take on mm. when you go into those type of roles i think
0: mm, that's yeah. true i think what this has kind of brought to attention to an extent is that it makes me wonder whether there are lessons that both sides can take obviously the drafting elements that we don't often get at least for the course that i did and you did for a bit like there were elements from what you've explained. I wish I had a bit more during my time in uni. So I was wondering if there were elements that you would have liked in yours when you were studying building design then.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to allude back to this uh, <laughs> because um, I, I, I forgot to mention this during the, the first point, but there was a lot of stuff like the charcoal art and like the theory mm. lectures. that at the time I was just like, what's the point of all this? <laughs> just let me draw and build stuff. You know yeah oh uh, in building design i wish there was a bit more emphasis on maybe how to how to go through the design process better mm. it was very clear cut that it was just like try to make stuff that's compliant so mm-hmm. when we came through our designs it was kind of just like this is our block you kind of have to design within this thing and you approach it with the ncc in mind and like the more so than the built form or the design and then you kind of iterate to make it work so. so i wish there was a bit more on that where you could explore the design process how about you did you enjoy mm. architecture or was there anything that you were like man like i really don't get why we're doing this <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, I haven't been in your course before, so it's very hard for me to say, but I think a lot of people, or at least for the course that I was studying, this is partially my fault for not going into another uni to experience it, but probably a bit of better understanding in structure and the physics mm. of it. Again, where was the science? Yeah. I was expecting the science, yeah. right? Okay. I think even if you study something that you love, you can grow to not like it based on how the it was taught to you and it was taught at you and I think it was because of the way I was being taught a few of the subjects that it completely put me off so Back in uni, I think like everybody else, we wanted, like, I wanted to have my own practice and then do everything, right? But I think towards the end of the year, when I start to see the amount of responsibility accumulating it, and I think it was the way it was taught and was run, it really, really put me off it. Having said, even if I was being taught correctly nowadays, because one of my good friends is teaching it, and the way he's phrased it sounds amazing, I don't think
2: I'll still do it,
0: but I think yeah, so there were some aspects of it is perhaps a bit more reinforcement on the drafting aspects of it because the thing is it's so easy to get our wool like get wool pulled over where our eyes by just going blindly and listening to other people. And if we're taught to just pause and kind of assess whether some of these details actually are pause will work, I think that would give us a bit more credibility and I think a bit more of a standing ground for us mm. when we're working and i think that is just one of the things i would have liked in my education having said there was some parts of it does fall down to my action so for instance the types of studios i chose a lot of them were all abstract and concept and all quite fantastical so sometimes that can be a bit of the sticking point for myself so there's a bit of that interesting
1: you mentioned that i would think i was talking to my dad like two years ago about what I think the differences were between the two and Mm -hmm. I realize now that you learn more at work in terms of technical skill sets than you could at any education right
2: Mm, that's true that's
1: how I think about it and I think keeping in line with what we're talking about I think in terms of the differences between building design and architecture I think architecture is great in a way where it teaches you the building design process to think And push envelopes which is what we need architects to do you know really push the envelope for technology really push the envelope for design and empathy and leading with empathy when you don't really get that in building design um so i think although you know the the technical skill set thing is nice i actually think it's good that maybe they didn't push that so hard that way you can just keep exploring Mm. all these concepts and stuff and then mm-hmm. you you have this great design process. You have great ways to iterate things. And then when you're finally in the real world, it's just about getting that technical skill set to refine your thought process. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether design flair is inherent or not, but I think if you go through a building design course and you don't have a design flair, let's say, you're just taught the technical skill sets you're going to learn at work anyway. And then if, let's say, you want to go do your own thing, you don't have the the grit to stick out the multiple ways of designing things conceptually right you don't have to do Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you were taught in architecture so i think architecture teaches you how to be like a free thinker in
2: yeah that's true
1: yeah so maybe we should talk about why someone should pick building design and why someone should pick architecture Like, like some points i'm not sure i just thought about it just then you know
0: yeah yeah we can it's like begin the debate of stuff i i, I appreciate this because then it levels out the both sides it's not like we're saying pick one yeah. pick the other um and um okay advocate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, advocate. You, know
1: you get a really cool title <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh
0: my god can we put the ego? in <laughs> No, but you know but, how I feel about but, people with massive, massive egos. But, but, but let's
1: be honest; like uh, that probably that is, is true, a right? huge aspect of why some people may go into architecture, yeah, more so that than is the true. work that they do. Um, mm. Yeah, maybe if you're already super passionate about building design or architecture, you can just go through building design and then get some experience in the workforce and then do your own do your own freelance work. That might be mm. the quickest way of doing your own thing,
0: mm-hmm. I think. I would have thought you would have advised people to at least study building design, then transition into architecture, to be honest. That was my mm-hmm.
1: thought. Wow, okay. Well, mm-hmm. Why is that?
0: Um, I think it's just that so that at least you are a bit equipped with the technical skills, so that therefore when you go into architecture, at least you have a bit of standing ground on top of that. You know what it's like to challenge yourself in terms of pushing the envelope because the thing is for instance if you want to start your own practice and pushing the envelope but you don't know to what extent whereas i think if you go into architecture school then you at least have a bit of guiding point in pushing the envelope Mm. but then i'm saying i'm speaking on this based on my friend's experience because like i know two people from our course actually did come from building design
2: Mm.
0: hence why i feel a bit more comfortable in saying that yeah
1: I was just thinking, is it easier to have all the contents in, like pick out all the clothes that you want in your life and then try to fit into a room?
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: you know there's a room at a certain size and then <laughs> pick clothes to fit within that room. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> like, can always extend the room. Get my
1: analogy. Because <laughs> 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 I was thinking, if you go through building design as a course, I wonder if your room would be really small.
0: I think it also comes down to whether you're willing to open your mind right because there are some people who are so set in their way so if you've got a very stubborn personality then yes your room will be very tiny but if you come in with a bit of like how i was saying like you you completely put everything aside it's like yes you've got this knowledge however it does not mean that it will always benefit me then I think your room is collapsible, expandable in however, of- yes. so you want.
1: It's it's actually very interesting that you say that because it's like um, it's like you, mm. you, you're right. People may be very limited in their yeah in their mindset where they're like, oh, maybe the house can only fit on this block because of the sixty percent site coverage. Let's say, like, mm-hmm. but really, mm-hmm. there's ways around it. You can go through planning permits, you can get dispensations.
2: You can always build
0: up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's always an asterisk, but maybe people just. Don't know there's an asterisk so maybe you, no,
0: are- you can pretend that you can't read or <laughs> <laughs> pretend that it's in a different language <laughs> sorry not to be politically incorrect
1: <laughs> yeah no that, that's interesting but yes mm. i think if you're very directionless in what you want i think i would suggest architecture because it kind of pushes you to your limits in a way where are mm. really forced to fail quickly and you can be like, okay, is this for me, or is this not for me? I think, I think I enjoyed that aspect a bit.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would also add, it comes down to which uni you decide to go into for architecture, because, uh, I would say for so we both went to Monash. Just for people who hasn't listened to us before. But yeah, we both went to Monash, and I think our curriculum was very similar to that of RMIT. And so there was that very rapid fire process of getting used to what architecture is. But whereas for other unis, I'm not sure about the others because again, I haven't, I don't really know it. And I do know some people have transitioned in transfer from one uni to another um probably their way of building your knowledge of architecture is very different mm. so i would say like yes i do agree if you're not really sure do go into architecture but i think also be aware of what your learning methods are so potentially it could be you're somebody who needs to do things on a the flight then yes go to one certain unit. but if you're somebody who likes to be like eased into a like the theoretical side of things then go to another one don't want to say their name and it has been like what six seven years since i've graduated well like since six seven years since i've started first year so anything has like a lot of things have changed yeah. like the curriculum and all
1: i agree except all i was thinking of was at the time did i really know what type of learning style i had or as in if i was going back to 17 year old me
2: mm. sliding
1: i'm like do i really know what type of learner i am because i I wasn't the most serious mm. person in um high school kind of just went went my way with it played a lot of mm. sport you know so mm. i think i didn't really understand how to learn until like recently
0: that's true yeah i think going on to your point then Maybe I would amend it and say, like, probably know what type of environment. Because there was one uni I walked in, I walked back out because I knew I wasn't going to. Something told me I knew I wasn't going to thrive there, mm. at least. I think just go with your instincts. Okay? <laughs> um, and just, yeah, be diligent in what you like, in the content that they say and actually ask the hard questions to people on Open Day.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah good advice, go, go to Open Days and actually ask questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should just write a list of questions that should be asked on Open Days. It's like, no, tell us what it was really like, like, ask about all night How these things. How did, you,
1: how did you go about that process? Because I, just to give you a bit of context on how I decided to go to Monash and how, why mm-hmm. I decided to do architecture, mm-hmm. because my granddad wanted to be an architect, became an accountant. My dad wanted to be an architect, and he became an accountant. And they both went to Monash. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was just... Architecture at Monash was, like, the only pathway for me. In my head. okay. So Uh, I'd imagine your process was actually a lot more well thought out. (laughs) uh,
0: uh, Okay. Back then, I knew that people mattered a lot to me in terms of my work environment. If I have a work environment with bad people, I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Um... And walked into Monash. And I think that when I went to Monash that open day, I just came up from like a revelation back then, one of the small ones, was that like, I wouldn't get into stage set design because that's one thing that will make people happy. Um, and then I was speaking to one of the people and saying, oh yeah, you get to have these opportunities and you can potentially like go into stage set and do work with interior people. And I'm like, sold! Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'll put Monash as the first one. Yeah,
1: I did start at... Corfield and I was like man it would have been so cool to take the train into the city and just like live that city lifestyle while going yeah here. yeah that was yeah. that was the only thing that I was thinking about I think mm,
0: yeah. but then I guess like again it comes down to what we prioritized on when we were teenagers because I'd like to believe that how do I put this? We had some, so a bit of a sidebar before we have to wrap up the conversation because we're going over time. Um, But we recently had some students who came to our work for our work experience. And I remember like looking at one of them, the way they were talking about themselves with so much conviction and so much certainty. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. they sound like a (laughs)
2: teenager
0: because of that confidence they had in themselves. Mm -hmm. right? And I'm I'm thinking, yeah, I think, I feel like the way i would have talked would be very similar with that conviction and probably look at other people and like they don't they sh- they should have things figured out by now yeah. but y- you think you have things figured by now by the time you're a teenager but evidently no because we're still figuring things out now that we're in our mid-20s so yeah
1: i, I feel like uh, the more you go through life the more lost you become or the, m- the more things you're confused about <laughs>
2: well,
1: that's, that's that's been true for me anyway
2: Uh, yeah Yeah. very
0: true anyhow i would love to continue this conversation for a very long time except (laughs) um this evidently this topic can definitely go on forever so to wrap things off for now and who knows you'll come back another time elliot What would you like to say, like any closing words or any words of affirmation you would like to give to those who are listening or those who are a bit lost?
1: Um. Yeah, I guess it's okay to wander off the beaten path. Sometimes the right path is not always the easiest.
2: Mm.
1: Don't be afraid to do what scares you. Oh, I think I think you always learn the most about yourself during these times when you're struggling, failing. So yeah, uh, it doesn't really matter what you're doing or what education whether you go to uni or TAFE it's just remember that what you put in is what you get out
0: mm, that's lovely thank yeah. you so much for being on this by the way I'm so happy to have thank
1: you so here. much for having me like <laughs> I said thank you for asking me a second time because <laughs> yeah I regretted a bit the first time but I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this now mm. hopefully this has been helpful um we may have gone off a few tangents but I think it was still quite in line I think
2: mm-hmm.
0: Hey, that's what a podcast is about. You yeah. sometimes have tangents and then you have to go
2: back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, do you have any media handles that you'd like people to find you? Um,
1: like... uh, I do not at this current moment.
0: That is completely fine. But maybe um, but...
1: in retrospect, I can link them
0: maybe yeah. we'll see how it goes if, if there are any i'll definitely put them in the notes as always and for my end it's the usual uh please follow us on instagram if you haven't already which is archemist in the making which is all in one word otherwise find us on the website and yeah please subscribe and share with everybody as much as i hate saying this please give us the rating so that we could also spread words of comfort to other people and we will see you for next time for another episode bye
1: bye